0: I'm going to be speaking tonight over two, uh, about two miracles that Jesus performed. Now, these two miracles are going to teach us something that all of us need to learn about healing. And so, the first miracle is recorded in Mark chapter 8. The second miracle is recorded in John chapter 9. I'd like for you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to Mark chapter 8. We're going to read God's Word. Just a few verses. We'll fill in the story as we go. Uh, Verse chapter 8 of Mark. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse 23, 24, and 25. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. When he had spit, On his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes, and Jesus made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now go with me to John chapter nine. We're gonna look at verse six and seven. This is the miracle of another blind man that was blind from birth and he was taken to the pool of Siloam. It's interesting how Jesus healed this man. Verse six, and when he had thus spoken, he sped on the ground. I'm telling you, we got a spitting savior. It's all right, he can spit on me any day. Let me agree with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, you know, the rest of you better not try it. But anyway. And he made clay of spittle, little mud, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, "Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is my interpretation sent." He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. I, I want to use for a subject tonight, when healing stumbles. You may be seated, when healing stumbles. That's one thing that we don't want to think about where healing stumbles. I am so grateful for the fact that the Lord has showed miracle after miracle in this church and so grateful for the fact that when someone gets sick, we, we swarm in on them with Holy Ghost honey. We pray for them and we believe God for healing for their bodies. I'm glad that God gives us a fighting chance. When we get sick and something happens, we can understand that our God is the great healer. Sometimes there's no time for the healing, such as a sudden car wreck, and they are already taken into the presence of God. Such as an artery breaking, and they drop to the floor or ground, dead. Such as a massive, massive heart attack and no way to rescue them. Sudden, no time to turn the tide around, no time to change the situation. There are those who some contract lung cancer. It slips up on them without their knowledge and it, it rages like a prairie fire. And they only last a few days. I want you to understand that sometimes God chooses to take people out suddenly. He does. He chooses. Now, someone could say, well, I blame the devil for that. I don't think anybody, I don't think the devil can do anything without God's permission. And I do believe that there's times when God just says, he's coming home. And we're not going to have time to wrestle or try to bring about stimulation and CPR through the Word of God. We're not going to have time to rescue them because they're going to be gone suddenly. Sometimes there's no time. We just don't have time. But when God gives us time, we can join in Psalm 118, verse 17. I shall not die... But live. And why are we going to live? So we can declare the works, the beauty, the power, the amazing glory of God. God has given us life in this world to glorify Him. And when God chooses to heal us of a sickness or disease, He extends our life to glorify Him. We are for God's glorification. Our life should be entrenched with giving God honor and giving God glory. You were not put here on planet Earth just to have fun, but fun I have. You were not put here on planet Earth to have pleasure, but pleasure I have. You were not put here on planet Earth to to, um, excel in earthly pleasures that are clean and holy. Indeed, I do, and you do too. But the main reason we are put here on this earth is to glorify Jesus Christ in our life and in our death healing is an amazing power of god sometimes people don't have time sometimes it takes time to heal for instance my brother Lazarus Richard Mcmaine takes time to heal he's healed he's blessed For instance, Carol, she's healed, takes time to heal. I think there was times at at the juncture when she was so sick that she probably thought she wasn't going to make it. But God gave her and Richard and others that are here today that's been sick in the past, God gave you a fighting chance. How many know when God gives you a fighting chance, you'll live and not die and you can glorify God and give God praise. But healing sometimes stumbles. Sometimes it takes time to receive our healing. I'm reminded in Isaiah chapter 38, we talked about that a few weeks ago, King Hezekiah. And um, uh, Isaiah comes to to um, uh, make a hospital or sick visit with Hezekiah king in Isaiah 38 verse 2 and 3 and Hezekiah comes into the bedchamber. Hezekiah's deathly sick and you thought that Hezekiah, you really thought that Isaiah would have said, oh come on you'll be fine. You thought Isaiah would have said to Hezekiah hang in there. God's got this. You'll be okay. But Isaiah walked into his bedroom and said you're gonna die and not live. may you know that was a That was a tough hospital visit, amen? That's hard. And he said, you're going to die. Set your house in order. You're dead. And Isaiah begins to make his way. The beautiful story about this, and we talked about it in past weeks, the beautiful story about the healing of Hezekiah is it shows us that God can extend more time. God can give us more time from the worst of sickness. He can extend our life. He can allow us to live much older Even if we are hit with cancer or some uh, 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 life-taking disease, God can extend our life. Amen? When Zennacherib... Notice it says it there in that 38th chapter of Isaiah that when um, Isaiah said to Hezekiah, you're going to die. Set your house in order. Um, Notice it says he set his face against the wall. Now, Zennacherib... The Assyrian king had set Hezekiah's back against the wall. Now, when you get your back against the wall, it's scary. It's fearful. Hezekiah was absolutely terrified of the kings of Assyria, Zennacherib. And his back was against the wall. But God said, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. I've got this. And I'll take care of this. And it'll be okay. The first thing we need to understand is sometimes the devil wants to put us against the wall to terrify us. No Christian has to be against the wall. Hello. But sometimes we as Christians need to put our face to the wall. The face to the wall is beautiful. In fact, when you put your face to the wall, you're calling out to God, you're pleading with God, you're asking God for healing in your body and your face is against the wall and you're crying out to God and you're asking God for healing and for blessing, amen? Hello. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Hello. Hezekiah turned and hid his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Don't miss the phrase, he hid his face, meaning he did not look to man, he looked to God. And he turned his face against the wall and he cried and he wept sore and he pleaded with God. And God said to Isaiah, Isaiah didn't know more than get out of the king's courtyard. God says to Isaiah, Go back and tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years. And then Isaiah says to Hezekiah, Get some figs. Get some figs. Now, I like figs, I like fig bars, I like just figs out of the bag. I like figs. How many like figs? I like figs. They're sweet. They're nice. They give you movement sometimes, but they're nice. Hello. And I like figs. And so in that day, they thought they would do a solution of fig, and they thought there was healing power in the fig. And and Isaiah said, take figs and put it on the boil, the sore. Don't know for sure what it was. It may have been cancer or, or leprosy or something. And that, in my day, If I had a boil, let me know boils make you wanna die, they don't kill you, let me know what I'm talking about. Anybody had a boil? Did anybody have a boil on their blessed assurance? That's rough, that's almost kill me Lord, take me home. And I remember growing up, mom would take a strip of bacon and put on the boil and tape the bacon down and the bacon would suck the poison out. Well, I learned it was much better to eat the bacon down than to put it on my sore. How many remember the old black salve? The old black salve, I don't even know if you can get it anymore, but you get the old black salve and you put a patch of that on there and that black salve it'll suck all that poison out of you put it on the boil or on the cut or on the infection, put that black salve on there and it'll suck all that poison out of you. When you get up the next morning your toes will be curled up. It sucks so much. Well there was healing power not in the figs but in the obedience to God. And he put the figs on and how many know sometimes God's going to expect you to go to the doctor. Sometimes God's going to expect you to go to medicine. Notice it says that when the one who had, um, was blind, Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 8 that he laid hands on him, he touched him, and, the, and then Jesus asked him, what do you see? And the man replied, I see many trees walking. Why? Because healing, sometimes... Stumbles. Now Jesus didn't stumble, but the healing stumbled, meaning God wanted us to learn that it is a time in which a process in which God will heal and he touched him. No one gets healed unless God touches them. No one. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the hospital says. No one gets healed without the touch of God. You say, what about sinners? Everybody who lives is because of the life-giving power of God. Even a lost person is alive today because Jesus sustains life. In him is life. And, and he is incredible. And he heals. I mean, oh, sometimes Jesus heals the sinner. Well, he does heal the sinner. If they, if, if they make it, he heals them. And healing is of God. God put in, put in us an immune system, and that immune system is activated by the presence of God. Amen. Hello. And so when Jesus Christ touched this blind man, he said, what do you see? And there was a time in which the healing was, was um, you know, it, was, it stumbled. But I love the fact that the Bible says that Jesus touched him again. Now, Here is healing that is at its best. God allows us to work together. God even allows doctors to work with him. God allows medicine to work with him. You see, when you're sick, you need the loved one's touch. Loved ones. When you're sick, you need the doctor's touch. When you're sick, you need the nurse's touch. When you're sick, you need the medicine's touch. When you're sick, you need the family touch. When you're sick, you need the prayer touch. But there ain't no touch like the touch of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ touches along with all the other uh, abilities to bring about about healing, when Jesus Christ gets in on your healing, you're going to live and not die. Amen? I love this phrase that the blind man... Said, I see ministries walking, meaning his vision was blurred. His vision was blurred. And so many times people's vision gets blurred. When you get extremely deathly ill, your, your vision gets blurred. You think you're going to die. And you very well could die, but God steps in and brings a miracle. I thank God for the healing touch of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the healing touch of Jesus Christ. And so you have the touch of a loved one, the touch of a doctor, the touch of a nurse, the touch of medicine, the touch of the family, and the touch of prayer, and there's no touch like the touch of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I love that, don't you? You shall not die, but live. Now, some people don't have time to make that announcement. I shall not die, but I shall live. But I want you to know, if you live... By the way, if you're living now, you are to glorify your God. Amen? And sometimes people will put you against your back against the wall and you'll get fearful. Sometimes sickness and heartbreak will put your back against the wall. But just snuggle up in the goodness of God and His mercy and turn your face to Jesus Christ. And when you turn your face to Jesus Christ, Jesus hears. He sees your tears. He sees your crying. He hears your cry, He feels your pain. He loves you. What's he doing? Jesus Christ came to planet Earth to give us a fighting chance. And what's beautiful about it is that we don't have to do much fighting but believe. We just need to believe. The fighting is done by Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? And so... The one I see in his trees walking, his blur, his eyes were blurry. In fact, he was seeing things bigger than what they really are. How many ever seen your sickness bigger than what it really was? Anybody? How many ever seen a problem bigger than what it really was? How many ever seen a, a, a tragedy in your life and you saw it bigger than what it really was? You need to quit looking at the bigness of the trees walking and look at the God who resides above the trees. God is bigger, God is more powerful, God is the God of heaven and earth. God is bigger than every mountain, God is bigger than every storm, God is bigger than every trial, God is bigger than every darkness, God is bigger than every sickness, God is bigger than every form of cancer, God is bigger than diabetes, God is bigger than heart failure, God is bigger than any form of sickness that would come your way, you just need to understand that you need to keep your eyes to where, well, you need to understand you can't have blurry eyes. You need to come to church so you can get your eyes unblurred. Hello. Now, some of you come in the room today, and I'm not talking about literal physical eyesight here. I'm talking about spiritual eyesight. This man saw men as trees walking. He, his vision was blurred. Some people see, and this man saw men bigger than what they really were. And some people see money bigger than what it really is. Some people see doctors bigger than what they really are. Some people see medicine bigger than what it really is. Some people see the world system bigger than what it really is. And though money is good, hello? Don't look at me like that. Money's all right. It keeps the electric company from turning the switch off on you. Money's not bad. Blessings are not bad. God's blessing's not bad. We need to understand that. God wants you to be blessed. But when we allow our vision to be blurred, and we think we're not going to make it, our vision is blurred. When we think we're not going to get to it, our vision gets blurred. Blurred. It gets blurred with fear. It gets blurred with doubt and unbelief. It gets blurred with heartbreak. It gets blurred with, you don't know whether you're going to make it or not. Anybody ever been so sick you didn't know whether you was going to make it or not? Anybody? Hello? Has anybody ever been so sick you just wished you'd died? Well, we didn't want you to die, and that's why you're here. We don't want you to die. And God wants you to live and not die. He wants you to glorify God. So this man gets the second touch of Jesus Christ. Now if a second touch is good, a third touch is better. And if a third touch is good, then a fourth touch is even better. And when a fifth touch is good, then a 10 touches is even better. A zillion touches from Jesus Christ will be much better than the touches of those in which we allow ourselves to be blurred in our vision, fearful for our life. Sometimes healing stumbles. Sometimes it stumbles because the doctor says, we took the x-ray and it's bigger than it was. We gave you the treatment, but it's done nothing. We've given medicine for your pneumonia, but it's not taking. You still have double pneumonia in your lungs. We're going to have to cut you open and peel your lung like an uh, like orange peel. You say, how do you know that? Because I are the one that got peeled. But we need to understand that healing sometimes stumbles. And when it stumbles, we need to understand that God never sleeps and he never stumbles. If anybody stumbles, it is us. It is the atmosphere of the world. And we can't put the blame on us. We have to say we're in a fallen world. Thank God we've got God in this fallen world. Amen? Amen? Hello, praise the Lord. Now, I want you to see something else that is incredible. Sometimes there's no time, people are taken suddenly. Sometimes it takes time to be healed. Thirdly, sometimes it will need, we'll need to make a choice. Sometime we'll, sometime we will have to make a choice whether we're going to trust God or not. We're going to have to make a choice whether or not we're going to fight or we're going to give in. Hello. I want you to know God gives you, if God allows you to live past a terminal disease, he's given you a chance to fight. And he'll fight your battle with you. God will fight your battle with you. Amen. Hello. When our eyes get blurry, when we get what about the guy that uh, was sent down to the pool of Siloam. He couldn't see. Jesus Christ spit and made spittle, little mud cakes and put it in his eye. said, now go down and wash in the pool of Siloam. How many know he was motivated to go down there? If I had mud in my eye, I would be motivated to go to the water faucet. If I had mud in my eye, I would be motivated to go to the, the, the pool of Siloam. You know why God sent him to the Pool of Siloam? He put mud in his eye, and there was no argument. He was willing to go. The Pool of Siloam means sent. Amen? And I believe that blind man traveled faster than he'd ever traveled in his life. His, his eyes were full of mud. He goes down to the Pool of Siloam. He washes his face, gets the mud out of his eyes. He washes himself. And every time he begins to wash, his eyes are no longer blurred. He can see. Light begins to come. God gives him life. God touches him. Why? Because God has a pool that he wants all of us to go to. It's called the pool of Jesus Christ. It's called the refreshing waters of Jesus Christ. It's called the blood of the Lamb. God has a place, a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. God has a place, a fountain of cleansing water, a fountain of everlasting life. And sometimes God will slap mud in your eye to get you to go clean up so you can see more properly. Amen? I love that, don't you? When he washed his eyes, he was healed. He came seeing, the Scripture says. Now let me point out some things as we come to a close tonight. Sometimes God makes us take a choice. I believe life's full of choices. And I believe sometimes sickness comes into our life and we have to choose whether or not we're going to fight it. And we're going to yield to what God wants us to do. I think some people go to heaven because they choose to go. And they get sick and they choose to go to heaven. They're a Christian. They choose to go to heaven. And the family don't understand, oh, why did they go so young? Or why did they go, uh, it's so horrible, why did they leave? It was sudden, a sudden car wreck, a sudden heart attack, a sudden uh, disease, and they're gone. Why, 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 Lord, why did you take them? And the one that you love, that knows Jesus Christ, he's not asking why, she's not asking why that the, the, the ultimate healing is theirs. They're with Jesus Christ. They're in the presence of God. You say, well, I, I you know, I don't want to lose them. Well, a lot of that losing, I, I realize that we love them and we don't want to let anybody go. But we need to understand, you've got to get past this thing. Death is final. It's not final. you got to get past this thing. When someone dies, it's not over until Jesus Christ comes and he'll give a new glorified body. You need to get over this unbelief in your heart and know, that God is doing good things and there's another world bigger, better than this one. Amen. Everybody say, I shall live and not die. Come on, say it again. I shall live and not die. Now let me get just a little bit. um, Let me meddle a little bit. Just a little bit. They're roadblocks to our healing many times. Roadblocks to our healing many times. One of the roadblocks to our healing is ignorance in God's will and His love and His power. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. You know, people are trying to get where they need to go without God's help. And the ignorance of God, not knowing what God is doing, will cause people to go to an early grave. Problems will come because we don't allow God to step into our life and believe Him as the Almighty God. That's called unbelief. That's called unbelief. When we refuse to listen to God, the first, the first roadblock to healing is ignorance. You don't understand God's Word. You don't understand that God wants to heal. God wants to bless you. The second Um, roadblock is unbelief. Did you know unbelief is sin? Did you know unbelief is sin? Because God told you that he would do things, and if you don't believe it, you're calling him a liar. Unbelief is sin. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, take heed, brethren, lest thou be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's a roadblock, unbelief. Then there's another roadblock, and it's called unconfessed sins. Unconfessed sins. You say, well, gee, I know what you're thinking, preacher, you didn't need to go there. Yes, I did unconfessed sins. Proverbs 28 verse 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsakes them shall have mercy. Would you agree healing is mercy? Would you agree agree going to heaven is mercy? Would you agree that God doing great things in your life is mercy? Let's bring me to the last one. It's the last road. Now there's other roadblocks, but ignorance is one, unbelief is one, unconfessed sins is one. Here's another one unforgiveness to others. Bitterness toward others is a roadblock to your healing. Jesus Christ said in Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Wow, God says that if you're going to receive my full benefits, you're going to have to forgive others that's wronged you. You're going to have to forgive others that's given you a hard time. The blurriness of wrongs of your past, the blurriness of your eyesight of the pain, the blurriness of death, the blurriness of a bad report. You, you feel in your heart that someone has wronged you. And the Bible says that when you pray and you stand praying to God, you are to not only ask God for forgiveness, you are to forgive those that's wronged you. Amen? How, how many know what an IOU is? Well, an IOU, they don't have them anymore because everybody's so stinking dishonest, but IOUs, you write an IOU, sign it, and meant that you'll pay it. You give someone an IOU, meant that you'll pay whatever it is. And some some people spiritually get a stack of IOUs. And they have changed the name of IOUs, meaning they owe me, They've changed it from a stack of IOUs to a they owe me. And Jesus Christ says, they that owe you, you forgive. You tear up those they owe me. You tear up those IOUs. And God said, if you'll tear up those they owe me, he said, I'll tear up all the IOUs that you owe me. Isn't that good? God says, I'll tear up all the IOUs that you owe me. And so there ought to be some tearing up of unforgiveness in our life so that Jesus Christ can tear up the, the. Uh, you know, I love it. Jesus pretty much put it like this. Your father will forgive you. Your father will take, if you'll take your IOUs or they owe me and tear them up and throw them away and forgive, then Jesus Christ says, your father will take those, you owe, the, you owe him, I owe him, you owe him, the Father, Jesus, the Father will take him and tear him up and throw him away into the depths of the sea to remember no more. Isn't that good? You say, well, bless God, I don't want to forgive him. You better for your own sake. Because the poison ain't in them, the poison's in you. Hello? The poison is not in them because most of them don't even remember that they offended you. And those that do remember they offended you, they could care less whether you were offended or not. So why are you going to let a dirty, rotten scoundrel ruin your life trying to hang on to your I owe you or they owe me. Let it go. Forgive. Because when you forgive, you are blessing yourself. You're not necessarily blessing them, although they are blessed when you forgive them. But how many know they're going to have to take it up with God themselves as well? Amen. And when God forgives us, it does something powerful in our life. You say, how do I know if I've got an unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody if you bring it up all the time? That tells me that you have unforgiveness in your heart if you bring it up all the time. Hello? Hello? There's one thing, Judy and I, we have, I would consider Judy and I our marriage perfect. I would consider that. You say, well, uh, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Well, I'm not going to confess the other. Judy and I have a wonderful marriage. But one thing she never does to me is hold a grudge if I do something that hurts her. She lets it go. I let it go. Amen. Every day with my wife is a brand new day. And one of the worst things you can do with your wife or your children or your loved ones is to find fault with them. The worst thing you can ever do to your children, your grandchildren, your wife, your husband is to find fault with them and drag out their past. Let it go. Let it go. I said, let it go. Because if you don't let it go, it's going to poison you. Hello? Amen. I remember one time I went down to settle a argument with a husband and wife, been years ago. I learned a long time ago, if a husband and wife are fighting, pastor, don't go. Because only a stupid pastor would do that. And I decided that I'd go down and basically they wanted me to referee and the wife wanted me to agree with her and the husband wanted me to agree with him. And I went down there to talk to them and I I said, well, you know, I said to the man, you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You don't don't grab your wife by the throat and tell her she's a fake Christian. You're wrong. How many agree that's wrong? And then I said to the wife, when you pull off your shoes and you hit your husband over the head, that's wrong. I mean, we'd agree that's wrong. When the wife stands up and says something, some Christian you are. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. And the wife responds back, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm a Christian. And the husband says, you're not much of one because of this or because of that. I mean, no, that is, that is ignorance gone to seed. That is suicide. And I remember I told the husband, I said, you're wrong. And the wife spoke up and said, how dare you to tell my husband He's wrong. And I turned to the wife and I said, you're wrong. And the husband spoke up and said, don't you treat my wife that way. And I found the widest crack I could find and I got out of there. And I have never went to to settle a dispute ever again in someone's house because you are an intruder. Let them fight it out. You can do the funeral later. But anyway, let them have at it. <laughs> you know, life is hard enough without us criticizing somebody else. Life is hard enough without being criticized by somebody else. Life is hard enough to hold on to hard feelings. Hold on to. And, and trust me, some of you in this room, you've been treated really super horrifying bad. But the key is, the healing is yours, not theirs, when you from your heart forgive. (laughs) You from your heart forgive. And then God can deal with you as his child and pure child, born-again child. And God doesn't have to deal with the other one because the other one's still in their sin, but he can deal with you because you've allowed yourself. To come into the presence of God and let the Lord bless you. And so the message tonight is basically this. Sometimes healing stumbles. It does. It don't always work out the way we want it to work out. Sometimes healing stumbles. But we need to remember, God's given us all a fighting chance. Amen? Hello. God's given us all a fighting chance. I got tickled with Chuck. I'd preached on... Hezekiah and the figs that they put on his boil, and he was healed, and Chuck goes and gets some fig bars or fig something and took them to Nimra. You ate them. And, and he took a, a big batch of fig bars to Bob. To this day, I think Bob's wanting to get well so he can look up Chuck. Amen. Hello. (laughs) I'm grateful for the fact that God healed Carol. Now, I didn't go see Carol in the hospital. You know why I don't go to the hospital to see people when they're really bad? Because when I show up, it usually means they're dying. When I show up, it's usually you're dead. And I had somebody tell me a few, what it been about a year ago, said, I want to thank you, Pastor, for not coming to the hospital. Because if you would have showed up, I would have thought I would have died. Now, when I went and seen Bob the first time, he didn't remember me. And he looked like, well, he didn't look like he was going to make it. But I, but my faith and others praying for him as well as myself, God answered our prayer. And God give Bob strength and give him Real strength and thank God for it. And when I prayed with him, he didn't remember me being there the first time. But I remember when I prayed with him, he prayed with me with that tube down his throat and he prayed with me. And when I started praising the Lord for God's great, wonderful healing, Bob is laying in bed like this and he's pulling his hands up like this. Because his hands were strapped down. And he pulled his hands up like this. You know what he was doing? He's saying, praise the Lord. I shall live and not die and I will glorify God well he didn't remember that but I remember it and God remembers it and when I went and seen him today I reminded him of what he did even though he didn't remember and I had a few other stories I could have told him since he didn't remember but I wouldn't do that to him I'm glad that God is a healer and remember when you get hit with a sickness don't give in take the scripture I shall live and not die don't give in. God's given you a fighting chance. God's a healing God. Now, if he takes you out before you got a chance to fight, it was just your time to go home. Now, a lot of preachers don't want to believe that. They believe that everybody should live to be 120 years old, and it's never anyone's time to go home. I'm convinced that we all have a time in which we'll go home. And I think Hezekiah's time was to go home 15 years before he, he, he uh, when he was real sick, Uh, 15 years he was to die then but God extended him 15 more years I love the flexibility of God's power I love the flexibility of healing I love the fact that God can say no the doctors are wrong the doctors are good they're sweet they're precious they're skilled loved ones are precious they're sweet they're skilled nurses are precious but God reserves the right to say you know I'm going to give her or him 15 more years. Amen? Now, I pray that God, when I was so sick, I prayed that God would give Judy and I 35 years of fruitful ministry. You got, to have, you got any idea how old I'd be in 35 years? I'd be one bruised up, overripe fruit. I'd be over 100. And Judy says, don't put a limit on it. Thirty-five years, Judy. We'll both be ready to go. She said, "No, don't put a limit on it. I leave it up to Judy. We'll live to be way up there, 140, 150. I believe God is going to come before then. Amen. I believe God's going to come before my face looks like a swiveled-up prune. I'm almost there, folks. I'm almost there. I believe the Lord's going to come before I start looking like an old, wore-out old man, barely moving around. You know." I, I, I'm, and I'm almost there, so Lord, hurry, <laughs> hurry! Amen. I talked about preaching through the Bible would take probably ten years. I'd be 79 years by the time I got through with the Bible. Amen. A new church too, probably, whole different crowd. Boy, I'd be old then when I'm 79. Some of you are looking at me like oh, I'm older than 79, and I'm not old. Well, you're pretty old. Lord's a good God. Amen. I'm praying that, that Ward gets to live in his, to, into his 90s. Isn't that great? What are you, Ward, about 83? 82? 86. I'm praying you get into your 90s, 99 plus. Amen. I'd love that. In, in fact, I would like to preach to a whole church called the 90s Club. Everybody over a ninety worshiping the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. How many of you got something out of tonight's message? Is it, did it speak to your heart? I said, did it speak to your heart? Some of you got mud in your eye and need to go wash. Wash that out of your eyes because God wants to refresh your vision. He wants to refresh your vision that you're going to glorify God, you're going to live and not die, that you're going to, you're going to prosper in the blessings of the Lord. Amen? Altars open. I want to invite you to come.